8 o'clock. Thanks for joining us. Jim and the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. Most trusted name in automobiles. 8 o'clock hour. This hour brought to you by Preston Lee at Country Financial, who believes in building relationships, supporting the community, and serving others. Have a chat and let him help you protect the things that are important to you. Google him at Preston Lee Country Financial. I want to welcome Preston aboard here with Country Financial, sponsoring the 8 o'clock hour. Got some thoughts on what happened last night in Monday Night Football. Certainly a very, very scary moment last night in regard to Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin, who tackled T. Higgins last night. Hamlin gets up after making the play and then immediately collapses on the field. Medical personnel had to restart his heart as he suffered a cardiac arrest and was taken to the hospital where he remains in critical condition, sedated this morning. After that, it looked just just a fairly routine play, right? Last night when he tackles yeah. T. Higgins and, and he gets up. Yeah, it looked like just a regular football play. Yeah. And then DeMar Hamlin is laying on the field after after he gets up after making the play. And players in both teams obviously visibly shaken last night. Guys were down on their knees praying, including Bills coach Sean McDermott. Joe Burrow, Bengals quarterback, comes over to his opposite, Josh Allen, puts his arm around him. They embrace. Just a Sean McDermott visibly upset last night, Bills coach. And... Just, you know, why did it take the NFL so long to decide not to play last night? Took about an hour before they finally mm-hmm. said, okay, we're, we're not going to play this game. So we got some thoughts on what transpired last night. What well, was just a very freak thing that happened last night in regard to the heart stopping of the Bills' safety. So also Jim Harbaugh, according to Mike Florio, Brock has reached out to him to interview for the job. Other reports are indicating that if Harbaugh is offered an NFL job, he is going to take that job and leave Michigan. So we've got some thoughts on that today as well. Text or call us 970-242-1340. All right. Worse than Jim Harbaugh? Well, not that bad. Thanks. Thanks for dusting that one off. All right. It's uh, time to talk some Maverick basketball. Normally talk to him in the 9 o'clock hour, but he's got practice coming up later on. It's time to talk Colorado Mesa women's basketball with head coach Taylor Wagner. Talking Colorado Mesa women's hoops with Mavs coach Taylor Wagner on the team. Maverick women at home this weekend after the road trip to Pueblo and New Mexico Highlands. Shadron State on Friday, Colorado Christian on Saturday. And Taylor Wagner joins us this morning. Good morning, Taylor. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us this morning. Yeah, how you guys doing? We're doing fine. Your basketball team uh, gets the split. Came so close to getting that uh, for this year elusive road sweep. Come up just a point short, losing at CSU Pueblo. Though your freshman continues to daddle, dazzle twenty four points, eleven rebounds, and a couple of steals for Olivia Reed. You guys come up short, like I mentioned, losing 67-66, but Olivia Reed with another sensational performance for you. Yeah, she just, I mean, she just keeps playing better and better. She's getting more comfortable out there. And, uh, 
you know, we really need to rely on her. She not only is she rebounding and scoring for us, but she's one of our better defenders. Uh, she did a great job on level leading scorer and just made her take tough shots. So it's it's fun to watch, and I think the girls are kind of rallying around her, and, and uh, you know, and people are stepping up too. We not only is Olivia playing well, I think Tia Slade had a, probably her best weekend of her career, and and so girls are starting to play well. Hopefully, we can keep this going. Yeah, Tia with 19 points in that loss to the Thunderwolves. Uh, she also had 13 rebounds, so she had a, a double double in that game. And then Kylie Kravig, she only had eight points, but boy, she had a big impact on the game. A, a freshman last year that you played a lot uh, last year, Taylor, and she had 11 assists. Uh, she had a, a pretty special game in terms of finding her teammates and being a facilitator offensively. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're asking so much of her. You know, she played all 40 minutes in the Pueblo game, all 40 minutes in the Highlands game. Um, she's got to guard the best perimeter player and then run her offense. And so, you know, she's got a tough, a tough assignment every weekend. But, um, you know, she's one of those kids where she has a high motor and she's a cross country kid. So she, she can run and, and, uh, you know, she's up to playing a lot of minutes for us. And, and that's the big thing too. She's got to be effective. And I, I feel like she's, she's doing that for us. That had to be a frustrating loss in terms of you lost by a point, but also the way you dominated them on the glass, you out-rebounded them 50-31 to 31 in that game. Yeah, I mean, we should have won that game. Um, I just felt like the girls played well enough to win, and we had a chance. Uh, we missed an open three with about five seconds left in the game. We get the offensive rebound, and uh, you know, we missed about an eight, nine-foot foot back, but... Uh, you know, the ball goes in, we, we go 2-0 and on this road trip. So we're playing better. I, I like what I'm seeing. Um, there's a, maybe a twinkle in their eye a little bit where we didn't have that, you know, a few weeks ago. And, and uh, I think they are starting to believe that they can compete. And really, the Armex wide open. I, I, you know, you have minds where they're up top and have them lost. But the other 14 teams can beat anybody at any time. And I think everybody knows that if, you know, you don't show up or you don't play a complete game, you know, someone's going to get you. Colorado Mesa women's basketball coach Taylor Wagner with us on the Team Sports Network. And then after the loss of Pueblo, you head to Las Vegas, New Mexico. We're, you know, in our discussion previously about the Cowgirls, that not a team that has a ton of talent, but a team that has really started to play well together. And I think you certainly saw that on Saturday. But your team able to get the victory, 68-63. Monica Brooks with 18 points, 7 rebounds. As you mentioned, Tia Slade with easily her best weekend as a Maverick basketball player. After the 19 against uh, CSU Pueblo, she had 15 points and 7 rebounds against the Cowgirls. Uh, Kylie Craving had 12 points. Olivia Reed, uh, a double-double for her with 12 points and uh, 12 rebounds. She also had a blocked shot in that game. As, like you said, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Highlands team that plays well together but your team able to uh, find a way to play a little bit better, especially after getting out to that, that early lead in the basketball game. Yeah, you know, it was a game we, we needed to win, uh, you know, especially coming off that loss the night before. But uh, we came out, we had a great first quarter against them and uh, then kind of kept it going. Uh, they're a good team. They, they have three Division One transfers. Um, one of the best offensive guards probably in our conferences is, is on their team and, 
Um, so they do have some talent. They are playing well together. It, it, it's one of those things where in the past, usually they've kind of hurt themselves in that fourth quarter, you know, and just kind of fall apart. But that's not them this year. They're, they're a good team. And, and uh, you know, I, we were pretty fortunate to get a road win against them. Taylor Wagner, coach of the Colorado Mesa women's basketball team, uh, joining us as the Maverick women take on uh, Shadron State on Friday and then Colorado Christian on Saturday. And when you look at uh, Shadron State coming in, just a couple of wins on the season. But uh, Shayla Powers for them has been absolutely fantastic. She's the third leading scorer in the conference right now at almost 18 points per game. And while the record may not be great for Shadron State, she's playing really well for them. She is. I mean, she is a tough guard. You know, she's an undersized post, but really athletic, moves well without the ball, never stops competing. And, uh, you know, we're going to have our hands full with her. It, it's another scary team. You know, they beat Highlands by 30 points. You know, they beat a Denver uh, Metro team that, you know, we lost to on a last-second shot. So, like I said, they their record's not where it is or where they probably want it to be, but they can beat anybody, and we've got to be ready for them. They're, they're, uh, they just play really, really hard, and uh, it doesn't matter what the score is, they're, they're going to compete. Who else in their roster, outside of Powers, poses a challenge for you on, on the defensive end? Well, one of, the, one of the girls they have back is uh, number 12, Samaya Worrell. I mean, she's, she's a tough guard. She can shoot it. She's a, a really explosive guard. And a great defender. And she's had her moments this year where she's really gone off. So, uh, you know, I think those are probably the two of their their top scores. Um, you know, both of them are going to have the ball a lot in their hands. And we've we really got to keep both of them in check. And then it's Colorado Christian on Saturday. They're 2-5 and five in the RMAC right now. They're 6-7 and seven overall. And while they don't necessarily have an Ashela Powers that's, you know, a, t- a top five score or anything like that, from a team standpoint, the Cougars have been pretty good offensively. Uh, they're averaging 71.6 points per game, Taylor. That's third best in the conference right now behind Mines and Adams State. So they certainly can score the basketball. They can. Um, I, I watched film yesterday on them, the, last, the day before. Uh, they're a scary team. They, they want to push the ball on you. They're a great offensive rebounding team, which you know we've had our moments when, when teams have really got out after us and we struggled Uh, so those are probably the two things that i'm concerned about is how they push the ball in transition and you know how active they are on the offensive rebounds and maggie phipps leads them in scoring she's their only double digit score at 10 points per game but victoria perez is averaging just around you know just under nine points per game uh agnes paul at 8.4 points per game uh, Reagan Lacantes, you know, around eight point four points per game. It's pretty spread out in terms of their scoring. Yeah, I mean they're well balanced, and you know they've got five or six girls that have all had big games for them. And uh, you know they they kind of share the ball. Every night it's a different player that kind of steps up for them. So we, like I said, we've really got our hands full with the team that's just going to really push the ball and attack us. What do you see on the defensive end from the Cougars? Uh, they're they're not one of the best teams defensively. They're certainly not the worst. They're 11th in the conference, uh, giving up 70.2 points per game. Uh, what are you seeing on the film in terms of uh, what they're doing defensively? Well, they're still scrappy, you know, and I think because of their offense, they 
teams are going to get more possessions against them because they push it and they shoot it quick. And I think that's maybe disguised a little bit of how, how many points they're giving up uh, per game. And, and, and that's what worries me is, like, if you get kind of in a rat race with them, the shots aren't going and you're taking quick ones and they're not going in, well, they're going to push it on the other side. You know, sometimes, and, and it's happened to us this year is where that's when games have got away from us, where we try and kind of play a really, really fast pace and, and uh, you know, you miss a shot and then you're giving up a layup or a three on the other side. So that's one thing that concerns me is I think we've got to control the tempo and, and play our game and, and not get caught up in what they want to do. And obviously crucial to, to get back to the Browns Arena dominance for your basketball team, getting back home. You're two and five. Christian's two and five in conference. Shadron State's two and four. They're right there with you toward the, the bottom of the standings. And a big weekend to, to keep building toward trying to, to you know make that uh, that race to get into the top eight for the Armac tournament. Yeah, that's the goal. We, I mean, we want to be there, and and it's going to be crazy at the end. Like I said, all fourteen teams are kind of you know jockeying for spots from two to two to fifteen. So. You know, one or two games could really, you could, you know, especially this weekend, we win both. I mean, depending on what happens with everybody else, we could be in the top eight. You know, that's how crazy it is. So uh, every game's going to be really big for us. And I'm just anxious to see how we, how we respond. And we played well this last weekend. Can we keep that going? Uh, you know, have we turned a corner? Those are the questions I have. You know, they're still question marks because uh, we haven't been consistent every game. And that's what I want to see the girls, like, really just take it upon themselves and believe, you know, they belong out on the court and they're a good team. I mean, right now Pueblo's in second place and we were shot away from beating them. So we're, we're right there. We've just got to continue to grind it out a little bit more. And it just looks like offensively you're in a good place right now. It's just the, the defense that hasn't quite got to where you would like it to be. Yeah, I mean, the defense, I, you know, I really love to see us get a quarter every game where we hold them 10 points or less. You know, when we do that, that's when we've really been successful, especially in years past. You know, in those years that we won the championship, usually we do that two, sometimes three times in a game where, uh, you know, we're holding teams. 10 points or less, and and we've talked about that. We're getting better, but there's still a lot of breakdowns on the defensive side. And You know, in that Pueblo game, I mean, we gave up so many wide-open three-point shots to a team who wants to shoot three. So there's still some concerns of, like, hey, this is their strength, and we actually let them do what they wanted to do. So we've got to contest shots a little bit more and, and – uh, just be hung, more hungry on the, the defensive side. Let me ask you this question because we talk about this when we talk about the Nuggets and Michael Malone constantly preaching defense to the Nuggets. It seems like some games, like the Boston game the other night, Taylor, that message got through. And then last night they're in Minnesota and they give up 29 points to, to a, just a guy named Anthony Edwards. Keep thinking of the guy that was on ER back in the day in Revenge of the Nerds. Goose from from Top Gun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but don't think, don't, it's definitely not the same guy. But when, when you're trying to employ your team to play consistent defense, from a coaching standpoint, how do you get that done? Because we talk about defense's want, its effort. 
how tough is it to to get that effort out of your players? And I get it, you're coaching women's college basketball, not like necessarily coaching the NBA, but in terms of technique and what you're trying to impart to your players, I think the same things are true. How do you how do you get that out of a, out of a team consistently on the defensive end? It's exhausting. <laughs> I mean, really, it is. You know, you you, you want to get them to play a certain way, and and the problem is right now. I mean, they all came from different programs, different expectations, different philosophies, and now you're trying to mold them into what you want to do. And you know, the last few years we've had older kids, and you know, you'd say one thing and they go out and they do it. Um, this it's kind of like every day we're talking about what we want to do and we have to remind them and and kind of break it down for them and they're starting to get it um you know and i I know it's a process i I wish it would have gone a little bit quicker uh but i i think we're we're starting to see some girls emerge like a kylie kravig i mean we're asking a lot i mean she's in some of these games she's denying some of these really really good offensive players we just feel like hey if she doesn't have the ball Someone else has to make a play, and Olivia Reed's doing a great job. And now if we can start to get a few more um, that really buy in. And, you know, the thing we've kind of been preaching is, why why doesn't everyone act like they're guarding the best player on the floor? You know, because the time you think that, hey, I can relax here, that's the time they're going to get a a wide-open three or they're going to blow past you and get a layup. So I think, you know, like I said, it's exhausting, but it's something where – once we figure it out, I mean, it's something I really love. You know, when you when you have a team that just, I, I look back to that Sydney Brandman team. Um, you know, her senior year, and we weren't great scorers, but man, they did not give up anything easy. And teams just had to grind it out with us. And, and uh, but we had five girls that were committed on the defensive side, and that's what we've got to do as a coaching staff is get them, get them where they. Uh, you know, take pride in their defense and see the importance of it. If Michael Malone called you for advice, what would what advice would you give him? Cut them all. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, even Nikola Jokic? Even the back-to-back nah, MVP? Yeah, nah, well, I mean, here's our philosophy. You have to play defense to get on the floor. Okay. And then your offense gets you to stay a little bit longer. Uh, I see. Okay. So, you know, we, we want you to – we just can't give up points. And – uh you know, this year it's a little different because we, we don't have a lot of kids. <laughs> you know, they're all hurt. So, right. Uh, you know, you, you've got to play who you have. But, uh, you know, you generally – I mean, you think of a Danny Turner. Danny Turner didn't play for two years. Yeah. Because she couldn't guard. And uh, then she figured it out, and she became one of the best players in Maverick history. So it's one of those things where uh, they know that coming in. Uh, they, they, they've got to be able to uh, play defense and take pride in it and, you know, cover for each other, and that's the biggest thing. And like I said, I think that's fun. I like that type of basketball, you know, where you you just really swarm them and and make it difficult on the defense or their offensive side to to even get an open look. Yeah, so the headline, Nuggets coach Taylor Wagner cuts back-to-back MVP. Yeah. That would be be an interesting headline to see, Taylor. You know, (laughs) as long as the Jazz are winning, I don't care what they're doing. That's right. That's right. I forgot. Yeah, that's where I'm a big Jazz fan. Where so. your where your where your allegiances lie. Well, of course, we'll have coverage of the Maverick uh, men and women this Friday and Saturday. Friday on the team, Saturday over on 1100 KNZZ because of NFL football. 
women tip it off at 5.30 both nights uh, on team and KNZZ. Taylor, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You bet. Take Thanks. care. All right, Taylor Wagner. See, that'd be that'd be like having the enemy mm-hmm. put in. You know, it's he's like a he's an agent. Yeah, going in there for Utah and blowing up the Nuggets. First, he's going to cut Nikola Jokic. Sounds like it. Yeah, it sounds like it. All right, uh, eight twenty, and we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll have uh, pole dancing coming up. Our top five NFL, but also our top five bowl games that we've enjoyed during uh, bowl season. So uh, we'll have that coming up. But up next. It's our Broncos report with 850 KOA's Mike Rice. Uh, that's on the way next on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Fantastic. That's just crap. The team presents the Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Time to get in the huddle with the Broncos Radio Network's Mike Rice on the team. And Mike Rice, 850 KOA, joins us. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Jim. How's it going? It's going okay. Uh, I guess first things first, we should talk about DeMar Hamlin and what happened last night on Monday Night Football. Uh, latest report, still in critical condition in a Cincinnati hospital, but uh, the Bills' safety collapsing last night after having a cardiac arrest, had to be resuscitated on the field. Just a really, really scary moment last night. Yeah, just unspeakably scary, right? I mean, you, you never expect that to happen. Guy goes down, gets hurt, you... If you don't expect him to get up, you certainly expect him to, you know, get at some point be carted off and and be sort of in his senses, right? I, I oh man, but what do you say? You just I, I don't know. You just pray for him and and hope that he pulls through this. Absolutely. Uh, just like I said, a, a very freak play last night after tackling T. Higgins in that uh, game against Cincinnati. So we we turn to the, the Broncos. Uh, Another one-score loss for Denver, though I thought went into Kansas City. They were like a 12-point dog in that game. They ended up covering uh, with a three-point loss. I-, I thought a lot of the things that, that Jerry Rosberg did certainly helped. I, I think having Mike Mallory, uh, of course, the, the son of uh, former CU football coach Bill Mallory, taking over special teams. They got a block field goal from Wazirike. Uh Singleton comes up with a... A uh, forced fumble that set up a Broncos score. That special teams certainly were the difference. Kendall Hinton did not hurt them in the return game, and Jerry Rosberg talked about that. That Montreal Washington just just got some learning to do when it when it comes to returning kicks in the National Football League. I thought those are one of the that was one of the changes that really helped Sunday in the Broncos uh, and how they competed against the Chiefs. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think both. Coach Mallory and Hinton were fine, and there seemed there just seemed to be a better handle on the entire operation, Jim. And I know that's sort of anecdotal, and I, I don't know how to even prove that. But Jerry Rosberg, number one, was not afraid to make decisions last week. He fired two assistants. Those moves were going to happen anyway, but he still said, we're not throwing away these last two games. We're going to make the moves that we feel uh, – we need to make in order to try and win these final two. And he wasn't afraid to sort of draw the ire of the players with the padded practice on Thursday. I mean, I don't know if you caught Coach Rosberg's comments to Dave Logan before the game, but uh, in that pregame interview, Coach said, yeah, the players looked at me sideways when I said we were going to have a padded practice. But he felt like that was the, the best move. There was I hate to put it, but it's kind of like there was an adult in the room, right? And I, I just felt like 
things flowed better and there was a better handle on the entire operation. Ultimately, they lost. But the fact they were in it late, Jim, to me, given where this Broncos team has been this year, was a plus. I know that's not the standard. The standard of an NFL team should not be, well, we were close, and we were close in a game that we probably should have been blown out in. But given where the Broncos have been this year, that's absolutely a step forward to me anyway. Mike Rice, 850 KOA Broncos Radio Network with us today on the team. I thought something else that Jerry Rosberg did that was crucial to Denver competing on Sunday was Justin Outen calling plays, Clint Kubiak, pass game coordinator who had been calling plays, on the sidelines to talk with Russell Wilson. And and I thought a lot of what they did in having Russell Wilson work out of more run-oriented formations, Russ had two rushing touchdowns, it certainly, I thought, paid off in, in playing to some of the strengths of Russell Wilson, and Jerry Rosberg talked about that. We want to do things that, that speak to Russell Wilson's skill set, and it looked like they were able to find some of that uh, this past Sunday. No question, and I think we're going to see more of that moving forward under whoever the new coach is and whoever the new OC is. Russell Wilson's not a guy that's going to live in the pocket throwing the ball 45 or 50 times a game. I don't know if that's what he wants to do. I don't know if, if that's what he thinks he should do. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, it doesn't take me, uh, uh, not a guy who's an expertise in the X's and O's, to say that doesn't seem to be his best skill set. And I think what what you said about sort of their approach with Russell was right on. I mean, he still can move. Maybe he's not as fleet of foot as he was, you know, five, seven years ago. But he still can keep plays alive. He's still strong enough to avoid sacks, and he's still got enough wheels to make some things happen. Uh, And, and Jim, I think it also points to the fact that that's one way to help an offensive line, that even if the Broncos revamp it, I don't know if it's fair to expect them to go from abysmal to elite. And so a quarterback has to be able to help his offensive line by extending plays, doing things ad-libbed off script. And Russell can live in that realm, and I think that would help the offensive line uh, regardless of what personnel changes they make next year. Broncos get the Chargers on Sunday at a power field in Mile High to wrap things up pregame at noon, 225 kickoff on the Team Sports Network. And part of the the storyline this week, uh, from, from last week into this week, is Jim Harbaugh. And Jim Harbaugh, according to Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, who who nailed it last year when they said the Vikings were going to interview him, and, and that's exactly what happened, that uh, this time around, Florio says the Broncos have reached out to Jim Harbaugh, Michigan coach, coming off uh, the uh, college football playoff loss to, to TCU. He's guided them to the Wolverines to back-to-back uh, college football playoffs, back-to-back Big Ten titles, former 49er coach, took them to the Super Bowl, where he lost to his brother John. Uh, back in 2013. So Jim Harbaugh apparently is on the Broncos' wish list of candidates. There's also been a report, Mike, that Harbaugh has indicated that if he gets offered a job from an NFL team, he'll leave Michigan. I guess just your thoughts on on both of those, the, both of those things. I saw Bruce Feldman's report in The Athletic, and I found that really interesting. I mean, to me, that really spoke to if the Broncos – are the only NFL team that offers Jim Harbaugh. I'm not sure that that'll be the case, but if they are, then they're going to be able to land him because he apparently wants an NFL job. Now, I don't know if that's leverage for Michigan. I don't know 
if that's leverage to get more than one NFL team involved. I don't know if he's absolutely serious about that. There's a lot of things at play here, but it sounds like Jim Harbaugh is at the very least open to returning to the NFL and maybe a lot more than that. So, um, you know, stay tuned, right? I still don't see Sean Payton as being a realistic possibility. Uh, It doesn't make any sense anecdotally, just sort of on the facts. And then, you know, our Benjamin Albright has been reporting that uh, someone in Peyton's camp has told him that it, it could be more of a leverage situation for Peyton uh, as far as his quote-unquote interest in the Broncos or other teams that, you know, wouldn't be included in the one that he eventually lands with because I think he will be back in the league. But, um, you know, the Broncos are going to be aggressive, Jim, and I'm, uh, the ownership has said that. And I'm willing to take them at their word until they show me otherwise. Yeah, Harbaugh's buyout's three million this year. Yeah, yeah, that's nothing, right? I mean, yeah. that's 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 like, I mean, for for this ownership group, that's like you and me going out to lunch. It'd be a real nice lunch, but it'd still be lunch. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We can hit up some of those places that you've uh, probably been reaching out to to, to cater <laughs> your Christmas Day and New Year's Day events. So, yeah. Yeah, something like that. I'll yeah. let you pick up the tab, though, on our lunch. You got course. it. It's on, it's on me. I believe you got it the last <laughs> time. I will definitely get it this time. Uh, I, I guess that Harbaugh checks some boxes, doesn't he? Guy's been a coach in the NFL, taking a team to a Super Bowl, great success as a college coach as well, uh, a guy that has a firm belief in the run game and the success of that for a football team. His teams have always been physical football teams. He does check some boxes, doesn't he? And the relationship, obviously, going back to Stanford with Condoleezza Rice. I think so. I think those are all things that you can look at and say Jim Harbaugh uh, has going for him. And I also think about what did Greg Penner say at the press conference on Tuesday after they dismissed Nathaniel Hackett? He said, first and foremost, we need a head coach that is a leader and someone who will set the culture. Jim Harbaugh has done a great job throughout his career of turning programs around he did it going all the way back to his first job at university of san diego he's he's not afraid of those challenges Uh, he's had success in the nfl as a head coach i think all those things are helpful and you know he's kind of just his own guy right i i'd like to think that guys would respond having been a, a former quarterback in the nfl that he would be able to command the room, get guys invested and bought in, uh, and then develop a plan that players feel confident in that will help them be good and help them be better and help them succeed. And I think, you know, potentially Jim Harbaugh brings all of that to the table. And hopefully he'll provide Dave a, a depth chart for uh, for games because he doesn't like to do that in Michigan. <laughs> I think if Jim Harbaugh is the coach, and the Broncos court him like he'll want to be courted, and the Broncos likely will court him, I think Jim Harbaugh will get whatever he wants, including a very lucrative package, you know, compensation package. And if if he really doesn't want to give a depth chart, I think he'll be able to give the bare minimum that the league will let him get by. (laughs) Probably so. Hey, Mike, I appreciate it. We'll have your report coming up at 420 today. Uh, always appreciate the time. Uh, brought to you by Jerry's Past and Com West coming up later on today. Appreciate it, Mike. All right, Jim. Buckeye, great to talk to you guys. Thank you. Likewise. Take care. Mike Rice, 850 KOA Broncos Radio Network. I just thought I'd work that in because yeah. that's, 
That's the big khakis thing, right? That he doesn't like to put out depth charts. Right. I also do feel that Dave Logan's smarter than Jim Harbaugh, and he'll be able to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody else has. When Brian called CSU Michigan. Mm-hmm. Also he, brighter he, than Jim Harbaugh. He figured it out, so it's okay. All right, 835. We'll have pole dancing coming up. Uh, just a couple today. Top five NFL. And our top five favorite college bowl games <clears throat> that we've watched this season. So we'll have that uh, coming up in just a few minutes. Let's get into... We're into four-down territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. All right. Let's start out with first down. Skip Bayless. Skip. Skip. Skip Bayless tweeting last night. Here's a couple tweets. He's getting a lot of heat for it. First one, it's not. It's nothing to get, I think, that upset about. This is about DeMar Hamlin last night. Not exactly sure what happened to DeMar Hamlin. Players and both teams are shaken. Ambulance out on the field. CPR administered. Can't remember play being stopped for this length of time. Just said a prayer for him and his family. Okay, there's nothing there to get mm-hmm. super wound up about. And then he tweeted again. I've seen so many horrific injuries suffered on football fields, yet never have seen a reaction like this. In every other situation I witnessed or covered, the game always went on fairly quickly. The attitude was, hey, that's football for these players. This was different, all in caps. And so he's getting some some heat. He also tweeted, no doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game, but how? This late in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, which suddenly seems so irrelevant. See, and that's the tweet that's getting a lot of crap. And I, you know me, I'm loath to defend Skip Bayless, but there's nothing wrong with that tweet. If you if you stop and read it in yeah. context, he says, essentially, how are they going to continue this game? Yes, it's an important game for the regular season and postseason standings, but all of that's irrelevant right Which now. Which suddenly seems so irrelevant, where you, you read like the, the second one, you know, this was different. It almost had a little bit of a feel of, well, that's just football. It had a little bit of that, and that's where mm-hmm. when when you say something as opposed to when you write something, right? tone, emotion don't come through in a, in a tweet. And as the night goes along, I think early on people were like, wow, what's taking so long here? This usually is, this right. is usually done and we're moving on to football by now. That's kind of where I take that second tweet. And then the third tweet's perfectly fine for me. And then he writes, nothing is more important than that young man's health. That was the point of my last tweet. I'm sorry if that was misunderstood, but his health is all that matters. Again, everything else is irrelevant. I prayed for him and I'll continue to. I'm not a fan of Skip Bayless. Character but, but, limits uh, and text as opposed to tone yeah. are are damning. And that's that's where he got caught last night. Yeah, because otherwise, I, I don't think he said anything that's that's wrong, that's, that's terrible. In fact, he's pointing out that the outcome of the game last night, that game being played was irrelevant because of what happened to DeMar Hamlin in that moment. All right, second down. Joe Buck's getting some heat from the NFL. Because remember, Robert texted earlier about the five minutes they were, you know, the NFL told him, according to Buck, they were going to give him five minutes to play to get the guys ready to play and then ultimately decided not to play the game. That the league uh, took criticism from fans about that. 
And the NFL is now saying, well, we never said that. Troy Vincent, I'm not sure where that came from. Frankly, there was no time period for the players to get warmed up. Frankly, the only thing that we asked was that referee Sean Hockley communicate with both head coaches to make sure they had proper time inside the locker room to discuss what they felt was best. So I'm not sure where that came from. Five-minute warm-up never crossed my mind personally. I was the one that was communicating with the commissioner. We never, frankly, it never crossed our mind to talk about warming up to resume play. That's ridiculous, that's insensitive, and that's not a place where we should ever be in. So where did Joe Buck get this? Like I said last hour, it may be an SOP thing, right? Like, this is standard operating procedure. These guys have all seen injuries. When it's this long, you get five minutes to warm up. Joe's just assuming this is what happens. Right. And this is what will probably happen here. Or a producer tells him, producer hears blah, 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 the the whole thing. Exactly. A game of telephone ensues. Like, it's kind of like the Skip Bayless thing. I don't really like defending Joe Buck, but I think now... Everybody always looks for, wow, what a jerk in everything, right? Joe Buck, for all but maybe five seconds last night, was fantastic. And I've seen the same for Lisa Salters and Susie Colbert and Booker McFarlane and all these people are like, oh, they should, you know, why are they have jobs? Well, it's five seconds and they're thrust into filling live TV with a situation They don't know exactly what's going on. They can only go by experience. When players leave the field in an ambulance, every single time before, the game continued eventually. Right? That's precedent. And the NFL broke with precedent last night by postponing the game. And And how do you handle that if you've never experienced it? And and sometimes you're going on when you're dealing with unknowns, right? Which last night, there were Mm -hmm. unknowns. You go with something... That you've seen happen previously. Uh, Dan Graziano this morning, he had to keep saying, this is not from the league office. This is what I think could possibly happen in regard to trying to make this game up. Mm -hmm. And he said that like four or five times because of what happened last night. Because Joe Buck said that, whether he was told that by a producer, like you said, or however, or just, this is my experience and this is what I think will happen. And maybe you should have prefaced it that way. Mm -hmm. This is what we've seen happen in the past. I don't know if this is going to happen or not, if it's going to happen yeah. this way, but this is what what we've seen happen in the past. Yeah, so I'm, people need to chill. Yeah. Right? I just, they need to calm down. All right. Let's see if I can find a couple of things here. Okay. Uh, the 2024 NHL Winter Classic is going to Seattle. The Kraken will host the Golden Knights, New Year's Day at T-Mobile Park on TNT. All right. Yeah, lots of T's in there. That's that's great for them. Ooh, lots of T's. And uh, I'm feeling scrolling here. Uh, turns out J.J. Watt was a good high school basketball player. There's highlights of him floating around now. So. All right. There we go. There's, there's four dad territory. I didn't know we were doing it. So that's I had okay. to struggle to find That's things. all right. Well, I just, we had some time to fill, so I just thought we'd throw it in there. Sorry, that's my fault. You're good. I got. We that, got a couple things. Say, poor communication, not a good thing, and we and we do that so poorly between ourselves sometimes. Yeah. Even though we're in the quote communication business, my apologies on that. It's kind All of right. a business wide thing, though. Kind of. All right, eight forty three. 
We'll have our pole dancing just a couple this week. Uh, top five NFL, our top five favorite bowl games we've watched. That's coming up next on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. We're going to be here a while. Would you like to talk? Talk to me! The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. We got it together, didn't we? All right, coming to the stage, yeah. it's Amber. We've Remember, everybody, $14 Kamikaze. Let me ask you a question. Do I make you horny, baby? Do I? I mean, really, when you really sit and think about it, isn't it really, really nice? Get those dollar bills out. It's time for pole dancing. I can easily feel myself slipping more and more waves. All right, it's time for pole dancing here in the 8 o'clock hour. 8 o'clock hour brought to you by Preston Lee at Country Financial, who believes in building relationships, supporting the community, and serving others. Have a chat and let him help you protect the things that are important to you. Google him at Preston Lee Country Financial. All right, so we have our top five NFL, top five favorite bowl games. So, start out the NFL. Honorable mention, at least for me anyway. I have the Dallas Cowboys as my honorable mention team. I stack starting to play a little better. That defense is great. Still not sure Dallas is a legit NFC contender. They're they're a legit NFC contender, but I don't think they're going to be in the NFC championship game. But I do have them as my honorable mention. Sorry, Minnesota, the way you got trucked out of that spot. And I have Buffalo as my number five team right now in my uh, NFL pole dancing. Yeah, Minnesota wants back into my top five and a half. They need to win the Lombard because I'm done. I I no longer have any faith in the uh, purple and gold there. My honorable mention right now, only because of Jalen Hurts' status, is the Philadelphia Eagles. And I have the Dallas Cowboys as my number five team. I think they are outside of San Francisco playing the best in the NFC right now. All right, so I have Buffalo number five. I have Cincinnati, the the team that grabbed the lead last night before the the horrible situation happened Mm -hmm. in Cincinnati. So I've got right now Cincinnati playing some really good football as my my number four team right now. Yeah, I I have uh, San Francisco, as I mentioned earlier. I have them playing number... At number four, they've won, what, nine in a row? Yes. And they got Arizona coming up, so I fully expect them to make it ten in a row. Just their quarterback situation. Brock Purdy's playing hurty. Well, we're going to get tired of doing that at some point, but it's not today. Uh, They're playing pretty well. I just I don't know if I have faith in him when it gets crunch time late in January, early in February. I have San Francisco number four. All right, so for my number three team in pole dancing, I've got the Eagles. I mean, they've lost a couple games where Jalen Hurts has not been available. Mm-hmm. They're still in position to be the, the top seed in the NFC. I could see them being down in this poll, but I still have them number three right now. And then I have Kansas City number two as far as my... Uh, my pole dancing. I have uh, I have Buffalo number three. I still think they're one of the best teams in the AFC. I don't know if they were going to come out to be the best team on the field last night. And I know that they win all, some of the tiebreakers with the other top teams in the AFC. But I have Buffalo three. 
I have the team I feel and I picked was going to win last night, number two, because that first drive, for lack of a better term in this situation, surgical by Joe Burrow, four for four. They went right down the field on the Bills, and I had no reason to think it was going to change the rest of that game. I have Cincinnati, number two. My number one team is a team you already mentioned. I think more of them than you do right now, though. And that would be the San Francisco really? 49ers. I have them as my number one team right now. Brock Purdy joins Dan Marino as the only quarterback since 1950 with at least two touchdown passes and a passer rating of 100 or higher to each of their first three career starts. He's played great. Their defense has been phenomenal. They'll get Debo back at some point. Dad, another weapon along with Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle. I have the Niners as my number one team right now. My number one team is probably going to play in their fifth straight AFC championship game. They have a coach and a quarterback that has been to the mountaintop. I have Kansas City as the number one team. They're starting to win those games that they probably should lose at some point. Or, you know, the, man, we played down to the level of our, level of our competition and we lost the Denver game. They're starting yeah. to win those games, and that could be dangerous for the NFL. I have Kansas City, my number one team. All right, so now we have our, our top five favorite bowl games. Mm -hmm. Did you put these in order? I didn't really... I did. Okay. I can probably come up with an order on this. Oh, you don't have to. Uh, go ahead and go with yours first. Okay, my honorable mention, it was a fun game to watch now that we're, what, four days removed. The Peach Bowl... Georgia over Ohio State. That was that was some good football. Nearly 800 yards passing between Stroud and Bennett. Seven touchdowns and a pick. They both, both of them, went 23 of 34. That's a pretty good game. That's my honorable mention. Okay. If Ohio State wins, that's my number one. So, All right. Saying. I'm going to go. I didn't really have an honorable mention. I just have top five. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put it at number five just because I'm a fan. It wasn't like it was a great game. The Music City Bowl, Iowa shuts out <laughs> Kentucky 21 to nothing. Yeah. And it's the first bowl shutout for the Big Ten since 1995, by the way. Yeah. My uh, my number five bowl was yesterday's ReliaQuest Bowl. Mississippi State honoring Mike Leach. The helmets, they looked fantastic. They took a delay a game on the first play. Brett Bielema of Illinois declined it. That was awesome. An air raid. And then they scored 16 points in the fourth quarter to beat Illinois 19 to 10. ReliaQuest Bowl number five for me. I have the ReliaQuest Bowl number four because yep. of the flag on the helmets, mm -hmm. honoring Mike Leach, lining up an air raid on their first play of the game to yep. honor him. I have that as my, my number four game just because of the the emotional yep. connection to that. Number four is the Cheez It Bowl. One, I love the Cheez Its instead of the Gatorade dump. That's cool. Florida State over Oklahoma was a great game. 35-32 for Florida State. 35 points, or sorry, 32 points scored in the fourth quarter between the two teams. The Cheez-It Bowl was a great finish for those two teams. Number three for me, the Cotton Bowl yesterday. Tulane beats USC. Who would have thunk that, right? 46-45 right? and a defense optional game. Caleb Williams, Heisman Trophy winner, is brilliant. But uh, Tulane quarterback Michael Pratt also played extremely well. I have that as my number three game. So number two, number three for you is number three for me is the Liberty Bowl, Arkansas over Kansas. 
Uh, Arkansas was up 38-13 at one point, and they win in three overtimes, 55-53. Kansas scored touchdown, onside kick touchdown to finish the game off, uh, and Arkansas tried to go down and kick a field goal, weren't able to do it. Our Kansas, Kansas in the Liberty Bowl. That was a fantastic was game. A fan. I'll throw that as my honorable mention. Fantastic yeah. game. A lot of fun. So I have, as my number two game, I have your loss to Georgia. That was the number two. <laughs> Tell you guys, were you were there. Mm-hmm. You, were, you, you were right there just a missed field goal away from playing for the national championship. My number one game, TCU with a big upset over Michigan. Now they'll have a chance to play for their first national championship. Is that your number that's two? My, that's my number one. Number one. Okay, number two is the Cotton Bowl for me. Tulane scoring 16 points in four minutes to beat USC. And Lincoln Riley, seventh loss when his team's leading by at least two touchdowns in uh, the last five years. That's the most in college football. So go Trojans there. Sorry, Kenny. Uh, actually, I'm not that sorry. Fiesta Bowl is my number one just to see clueless Jim Harbaugh's face after they lose because it's one of those wait we could lose we other teams are allowed to win the clueless look is just absolutely fantastic I love it and I'm not sorry at all for that one I'm not even going to fake an apology go Horned Frogs (laughs) make it happen TCU coming up Monday at SoFi Georgia takes on TCU all right, so next hour, it's Mav Day. we we'll have a, a lot of wrestling to get into. Colorado Mesa women's wrestling coach Travis Mercado will join us. Also, Mike Mendoza, the coach of the Maverick men, and the notorious MDG, coach of the Maverick men's basketball team, Mike DeGeorge, with us next hour on the program. Text or call the show if you got something you want to comment on today. Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line. That's 970-242-1340, 970-242-1340. We'll take a break. And we'll come back with more on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network online at theteam1340.com.